1: 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com.
0: There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
3: What up, world? You're listening to the Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original.
1: Yeah. yeah, What's up, brother? How you doing? Good, man. Getting over this I-
2: uh, cough.
1: Yeah. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> 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 now I feel like anytime I sneeze or cough outside after like contracting COVID and you're pariah. Yeah. Yeah, dog. I, this has been like, you know, not um, interacting with the disease like p- on a personal level outside of you know seeing family members and friends and everybody go through and seeing some people not make it through it. Mm-hmm. I, I I was always it was always like all right, I've done enough right. I've, I've stayed away. And I wasn't staying away as much as I could have been, obviously, right? But, you know, you you mess around and sanitize your hands, you know, twice a day. You think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the entire time I've been sitting here like, all right, when it's time to walk the dogs, I'm pulling my sleeves down and wearing gloves and and wearing my you know my mask in the staircase and make sure Mm -hmm. i'm not giving it to any unsuspecting people out there i'm not moving around like i was before my car you know i'm sure like i started my car once this last week or so it's it's just i i am like i'm i've got covid head from here on out like i don't want to you know one i don't Ever want to get that again? And I'm, you know, people are going on it three times now, four times, whatever the case may be. But like, for all the people out there, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just like the flu, it's just like a cold, man. <laughs> Save that. The, the cold or flu was never fun for me either. Shit. You know, like everybody's like, oh, all you do, all you gonna do is lose your taste and your smell. Like what? <laughs> those <laughs> things protect me. What the fuck you talking about? <laughs> my my smell it lets me know that evil lurks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my my taste lets me know. You know that maybe she shouldn't do the cooking next time. Like mm-hmm. these are the things that those senses allow for me to judge. So. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these people who gonna downplay it and down talking. Like while I was going through it, I was definitely on some like I'm okay. I'm fine. I was hurting, boy. I was hurt, hurt. Like I was down for the count. But you know, you know, you don't wanna be a bad patient, which I've told I, I was and I am. You know, you just wanna you wanna get back as soon as possible. I am looking forward to Friday night. I get back to doing my job finally. That's the other thing too, boy, is not being able to do one of the gigs and the gig Mm -hmm. that, you know, people get a chance to see me doing. Like it really makes you question, like, man, how, what, what, what is my real importance in, in the grand scheme of things? People people were hissing sending me uh, get wells also while telling me, hey, man, your replacement ain't half bad either, so uh, you can just stay sick as long as you want. <laughs> I was out here cheering from the sidelines, like, go, Layla, and then all of a sudden, people were like, man, I don't even miss golf. I'm like, hey, hold on, Layla, stop, stop, you slow your roll a little bit. You know, you're tweeting your whole damn schedule and everything, mm-hmm. like, you Take my gig off there at some point. Nah, but shout out to Layla Rahimi. I'm just joking. Shout out to Layla Rahimi holding it down uh, on the pre and post game show with Kendall Gill and Will Purdue. Get a chance to jump back in the saddle on Friday night because guess what? The Bulls are doing. They're out here stomping teams in the wine and making it look easy. Ran up against that Indiana Pacers group, and that was that. Uh, that was like that. Everybody get right game right there. That was the <laughs> you know you sharpen your sword a little bit. But And I'm not here to rain on any parades because they did exactly what they were supposed to do against the Pacers. Um, Their bench, the bench led the way. The bench did exactly what they were supposed to do. 40-plus points off the bench. Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond are out here trying to prove to people that they should still be starting somewhere. And, you know, you know what it is? It's kind of like what what... The pandemic and, you know, the economy has done where you go into certain places and you're like, hey, man, you are far too qualified to be bagging these groceries. But I appreciate this level of customer service. Right. Like the Goran Draghi and Andre Drummond out here like I still got some shit in the tank. And if y'all think I need to come off the bench behind this young boy and this old dude, who you know, who's at the end of his prime then fine, I- I'll figure it out. But
2: guarantee nah. Andre Drummond's like I'm better than Booch. Oh, yeah, every day well, in practice. Gee.
1: Every day in practice. I'll hear bruising people, like, just just proving to everyone who can see inside the practice that I am the man out here, you know, because Andre Drummond doesn't strike me as the big man who doesn't move around like a big man, you know what I mean? Like, the guy that you hated in high school where it's like, all right, fam, we know you're bigger than anybody else. You have to walk down the hallway broad-shouldered, you feel me? Like, we know that you can, you know, bounce the ball off of my head and- and make me look like a child out here. Just don't embarrass me. And that's what, I mean, the man had 13 rebounds off the bench, right? Saying shit like I'm the best rebounder this century. Like, come on, man. Like, Andre Drummond ain't out here for your Philadelphia 76ers and Brooklyn Nets memories. Andre Drummond is out here. I am prime Drummond from Detroit, and I am here to pick and roll you to death and try to catch lobs. Like, the dude's catching lobs again. Like, it's um, it's been a joy to watch the Bulls bench and of course Io Desumu continues to play the kind of basketball that's going to get paid that man paid a whole lot of money and the kind of basketball that I'm thinking has the ball family like hey Lonzo you, uh, you chill until you are right and ready because we can't go out there with no hiccups this, this young boy is out here replacing people so um, shout out to the way Io played against Indiana and you know this is the other thing too it's going to be a little bit before we see Zach Levine the way that we're used to seeing Zach Levine. And I thought the Indiana game was uh, just – a testament to throwing yourself at the rim, getting to the free throw line and feeling better about yourself scoring any kind of way that you can. Cause he's still, he's not finishing like Zach and I'm not talking about the above the rim stuff because you know, Zach wasn't out here just catching body after body. Like that's not what Zach's game was. Zach's game was the graceful, smooth aerial delights. And of course on a breakaway to 360 or cocking it back or doing something crazy because he isn't a terrific athlete, but the Zach that we've seen, Um, not have the same burst going to the rim and I'm talking about after the takeoff not talking about the first step because the first step part is the part that I think he and a lot of people in his camp were noticeably worried about after you know the injury set in last year and you started to see him play at a certain ground game that you're not used to but in this beginning of this year Obviously, with not hit, him not playing basketball, the 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 five the lack of five on five sharpness that we saw out the gate, and that we're gonna I think gonna continue to see out the gate. He's not gonna be playing uh, apparently in the front end and the back to back on Friday. This is something we're also gonna have to get used to. But to me, the most interesting part of the game against the Pacers tone was that. All this talk about DeMar DeRozan and the offense, and they've been coding it, you know, talking about stagnation and randomness and uh, pumping up the assist numbers all over again. 17 points and six assists against the Indiana Pacers is cool, and it's cool to talk about everybody sharing the sugar and looking at the the ball movement, but I want to see what happens when you're forced to be yourself, right? And in the times that this team so far this season is forced to be themselves in wins, it's been because, DeMar DeRozan at some point took over the entire offense against Miami. It happened against Boston, right? The the bench did what they had to do, but it was it was time. <laughs> all that ball movement and all that other stuff that y'all no 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 left elbow, right elbow, seventeen footer, pull up, couple head fakes get you in the air. Like that's what the formula has been. So you know we we always do exercises you know, top notch the first couple sets. But it's that third set, right? It's that fourth set where you're like, "All right, I have to come all the way up, or I have to, I have to bring the, the you know, the, the the bench all the way down to my chest." That's when you start to reflexively getting back into who you truly are, and and having to grind through it. So there's gonna be these games, I think, against greater teams because the Pacers are a team that's rebuilding, and I like them a lot. Like, I like Benedict Matherin because I like him especially for what he did at the end of the game. You know, pointing at the clock talking about it's not over yet. And you got every veteran on the Bulls team like, hey, what the, what is what is going on with this man? And, and then Dale and Terry damn near just flagrantly fouling him out the air. Like, that was cool to see two teammates like, hey, man, this is our first chance on the NBA court together. We ain't You ain't going to just do that to me. But I like what they got going on in Indiana. I like Tyrese Halliburton. I like Benedict Matherin. They gonna figure out this Miles Turner. i the Miles Turner thing has always been interesting to me because people have always liked Miles Turner's game a lot more than I ever have. And I know he's a, a three and D big, which is, is hard to find, but yeah, man, when that whole Demarcus Sabonis, Miles Turner thing was going on, people were like, they can't play together. I'm like, fine. <laughs> Get that one out of here. But, you know, what are you going to do? Both of those guys probably going to end up somewhere else. Obviously, uh, Demonis is in Sacramento, you know, in basketball purgatory. But I want to see what this looks like. The Spurs game, that's going to be DeMar getting over 20,000 points. That's going to be DeMar returning back to – uh, you know, Greg Popovich and that experience that he had with the Spurs and that career kind of like, um, you know, he it's kind of like he went out to, to to Utah or big sky country somewhere and just sat on a cliff and just th- and thought about basketball and meditated with the basketball, you know, yogis out there. Right. And, and Greg Popovich. And then he got dumped back into Gen Pop in the NBA and with the Chicago Bulls. And he's, he's kind of shining right now. So that's what Friday's going to be about. So, when the Sixers game happens on Saturday, and if that game is close, late, I want to see what this team reverts to when it's nut-cutting time against a team that you have to prove something against in this Eastern Conference, right? Because when they've had to prove something against Miami, Miami and Boston, in the end, we knew where the ball was going. I got no problem with it going there. I just the identity that is trying to be forged by this team, and the identity that I think this team needs to ha- to win games. I think those are divergent paths. I, I think it, it, you know. Having DeMar DeRozan understand that he's going to have to carry this team half the nights, there's going to be some nights where he's like, hey, this ain't the half-the-night night, by the way. You know, this this is this is the I'm on night. So looking forward to seeing these back-to-back games against the Spurs and the 76ers. I think two tests, one, in focus for the Spurs game in a couple of milestones that could be hit and probably will be hit. Uh, by DeMar DeRozan, and then Saturday, a testament in back-to-back toughness and going up against a guy, Joel Embiid, who has beat the Bulls literally every time he's seen them. So, uh, you know, and, and Tony Gill, I won't say he he had me come around on the Joel Embiid, uh, you know, hype train because I was always a fan. It's just I expected more, I guess, earlier out of him, and he's finally living up to it. Not finally, because that sounds like shade as well. Uh, but but he's he's living up to it and well, Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Nah, you yeah, man. I say when I'm wrong. I say when I'm wrong. And I wasn't in this instance, so I'm not saying that, but you know <laughs> me and Tony me and Tony have had many a conversation about uh Joel Embiid and me just wanting him to be in better shape and, and, and maximizing every bit of that potential. Now it's nothing standing in his way. Like he's not matched with players that don't compliment him. So Looking forward to seeing what the Bulls have. Looking forward to seeing Zach against the Philadelphia 76ers, against Tyrese Maxey, against James Harden. And it all comes down to if those three dudes, the, the three most important players on your team, if defensively they are committed to not just one or two or three possessions but full quarters, especially winning time quarters of shutdown defense or just shut down type of effort and not have to be – uh, saved by the bench or, you know, not have to try to figure out what this closing rotation is, even though it's very early in the season. You can, you can kind of stake your claim and, and, and cement your identity in a couple of games back-to-back here. One that will be without Zach Levine, so we know we're going to see offensively, but that second one against the 76ers, is going to be important. Uh, it's not a statement game early in the season, but these are one, this is one of those games where, you know, what, what are you really? Uh, What do you think you are as opposed to what you are truly? And and I'm looking forward to it. And on top of it, I, I get my ass back to work this weekend. So looking forward to both those games.
0: Time for some commercials.
1: Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Garth. So apparently, Tony Gill, the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields have all of the momentum in the world. I, I have been perusing the timeline and listening to people who talk about these things professionally, and Justin Fields got everybody back in his corner after the New England Patriots game. And I will say this. It is the Patriots, and it is on the road. But those weren't the old school Patriots. But what I was happy to see was they finally treated Justin Fields like the dude they drafted instead of whatever they think he's going to be in the future. Um, You know, it takes a long time to get to wherever you're supposed to get to by the time you have gotten close to perfecting any kind of craft. And you got to bump your head on the way there. You got to know what you can not do, find out what you're good at, find out what you need to work on. And over the first four games, three games of the season, there was, I don't think, a a proper platform, a proper base to even try to figure out what Justin Fields was better at than he was last year. You know, and and if the last three or four games, last three games especially, have shown me anything, is that all the time that was wasted in the first quarter of the season not playing to this young man's strengths. So you you give a clap on the hand to the people who actually went out there and said, hey, we're going to steal something from the Ravens as I'm sitting here watching the Ravens play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. By the way, if anybody ever wants to really get into that most valuable player of the league talk, every year Lamar Jackson should be in the top four. I don't give a shit what his stats are. I don't care what the Ravens re- – if the Ravens finish above 500. OK, every year that Lamar Jackson is the quarterback, he should be a top four or five MVP candidate because nobody in the NFL is asked to do what he is asked to do for an entire organization. Like, don't get me wrong. Patrick Mahomes is, to me, the most talented and best quarterback in the NFL. And now he's doing it without Tyreek Hill. They got Kadarius Tony, which is is very interesting because shout out to Ryan Poles, you know, the compensation for giving up Ryan Poles, couple of third rounders. Next thing you know, one of those gets flipped to to, to bring a first round type of talent who is drafted in the second round, but is in the doghouse in New York because Brian Dayball is out there wrecking shop and winning games with, you know, who God knows what at the wide receiver position. That guy becomes available for a Patrick Mahomes led offense, and you're like, okay, what are you gonna do with that? But Patrick Mahomes he, if you replace him with the average starting quarterback, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are an average football team, right? They're not the the great to good, very good uh, football team that that they have with Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen man is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But Josh Allen is throwing a Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis, out of nowhere, is turned into a deep threat star. That defensive line is a rotation that goes six deep. I mean, you know, uh, before the injuries eventually that happened to Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer every year, like, that, that that secondary is outstanding. They haven't even had Tredavious White for a full complement this year or at the end of last year as well. Like, that team, if you put an average quarterback on it, that team – it's going to be average right they're going to find a way because if Ryan Tannehill can run around the AFC South messing around and getting the number one seed then you know I'm sorry the AFC North getting the number one seed then you know you can you can put an average to above average starting quarterback or in a good system good infrastructure and win a certain amount of games well Lamar Jackson who does does have a good system Is surrounded by good infrastructure. But Greg Roman ain't out here on nobody's head coaching lists. You know why? Because Greg Roman is known as the black quarterback whisperer. You know, you got Colin Kaepernick and you got Lamar Jackson, who have been successful in the Greg Roman system. And Lamar Jackson is out here throwing to a returner. You know, Devin Duvernay was a returner, return specialist, who was turned into a decent wide receiver, Right. And Hollywood Brown, he gets traded. (laughs) Like, who is he? Mark Andrews, damn good tight end. So if the Bears had to watch that and say, you know what, this is what we need to do with the quarterback because he ain't got nothing around him either, then fine. Like, I know there's a lot of consternation now about the design runs and how you had, what, 18, 12, something like that the entire season before you got the 12 off in the Patriots game. Letting the young man figure out and designate when he's going to get hit is a big difference between him being back there and just standing taking punishment because he may, may maybe not processing the NFL game as quickly as he needs to or he doesn't take the cheese in his short and intermediate game the way he should be. He's always thinking deep throws. Well, until you work that out of him, You know, stack some first downs, allow him to get out of bounds, allow him to get down, allow him to see where the hit is coming from. I say all that saying it's going to be a tough go this weekend against Micah Parsons, because if you want to play the RPO game, if you want to play I'm messing around, running around with my quarterback game that he better be shaped like Cam Newton. He better be shaped like Josh Allen, one of these 250, 255-pound dudes who can deliver a blow as well because the last thing I want to see on Sunday is Micah Parsons lining up Justin Fields because that's that's a dude that don't miss. That's a dude that that, that puts a hurt on you. So it, what the Bears did well <laughs> uh, against those uh, 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 against those New England Patriots, that's a little bit different than this Dallas defense. Like, this this may be the most talented defense going right now. Like, Buffalo's got a hell of a lot of talent in the front seven. But from secondary to linebackers to defensive line, like, you know, I, I got Clarence Hill, who you hear from in this podcast, brought up a couple of players that I'm you know, not very uh, familiar with. I know Dorrance Armstrong is, is what – Got five sacks on the other side of Michael Parsons' is eight or seven. I mean, they got a kid in Sam Williams who apparently we need to be looking out for, and that's not even talking about them adding Anthony Barr and Fowler and a bunch of veterans. They lose Jordan Lewis in the secondary. They're trying to replace him. They've got a nickelback that's out there that might be exploitable. Uh, the, the A corner, a, a young corner who's out there whose name escapes me in the moment. But, you know, I, I think that this team, you know, th- this team's too well coached to get blown out at this point. Like, if we see the Bears get blown out, it's because there was four turnovers, something stupid happened, a bunch of a bunch of penalties, and that just hasn't happened these last two or three games. I don't think the Bears are going to win this game, but I think the Bears are going to stay close long enough, and it's because of the run game. And all this talk about Micah Parsons, he's a terrific defender. Probably one of the top five or six in the game right now in his second year in the NFL. But... I always say this. It's a football game. You got pass rushers. You got guys who are all over the field. You got guys who try to set the edge. Do what you do best and see what they counter with. If the Bears, who right now are leading the league at 182 yards per game on the ground, if the Bears can get the run game going and not stray away from it. I'm talking about eat those two and three yard runs and run right at Micah Parsons early just to see what's going on, just to see what's happening. Because the last thing you want to have it, is him chase down to play weak side and, and force a turnover because you're not going right at the strength of their defense, which might be the strength of your offense, which is the running game. So Khalil Herbert, buckle in. David Montgomery, this, this, this is going to be one of those games where you got to get that 140 out of those two dudes combined. You got to keep Dak Prescott. And that offense off the field, there's no Ezekiel Elliott. So now Tony Pollard gets the lion's share of the carries. We'll see if he's made for it, if he's built for it, right? Everybody loves the backup quarterback, but everybody also loves the backup running back. And this is a guy who uh, has been making big play after big play these last couple of years in spot duty. Ezekiel Elliott lost his burst. He's gotten a little heavier. This year he came in in better shape. All of a sudden you got yourself a, a knee injury that is going to keep him out for some time. Tony Pollard is going to get the football. Dak Prescott, what they learned in the four games that he was out with Cooper Rush at the helm. They did not have an explosive passing offense. and Even against Detroit, you know, shaking out some of the cobwebs, but they took some deep shots. So if C.D. Lamb can be contained – if Tony Pollard is asked to win this game, along with Dak Prescott, who against the defense is turn people over, let's face it. You know, we can't say that the Bears aren't forcing turnovers. Matt Eberflew stressed it in the in the offseason, stressed it in training camp, and they've been able to, to deliver, especially in these last few games. So I'm looking forward to what I think will be an entertaining game and just another, another game to evaluate what is the most important thing in the city right now, which is the quarterback position and Justin Fields. Do I think he's going to have the kind of game that he had against the Patriots? I hope so, but I don't think so. There's, there's just way too much talent, and there's way too many mistakes, I think, that are still out there on the field for a young quarterback. So I'm not expecting this to be, all right, good game to now perfect game after after perfect game after perfect game. This, this thing ain't linear, right? This is going to look like a heart monitor. It's going to be a little jagged, and I expect for this to be one of those jagged games. It's just how do they persevere and fight through it? Right. What what adversity is placed in front of Luke Getzey that he then has to answer with Justin Fields while being mindful of keeping him upright and keeping him safe? You know, do you stray away from the run game because you feel like this is the time to open up Justin Fields a little bit more? Their formula for winning is very clear. And this is the other thing, too, special teams wise. Like (laughs) we haven't seen the Bears not cover kicks, but this is the game that you definitely want to cover some kicks. Their special teams unit and and their kickoff return and punt return unit are two of the best in the league. So you don't want to ever lose a game on special teams, and we've seen that happen this year with this Bears team. So where, what's the role for Valis Jones? You know, if you're not just securing in seven and the the punt returns and you're not looking for anything in that game, how do you now force a rookie who you drafted specifically for returning and package plays? We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him really since he's made his key mistakes to lose games. So it's still an evolving and average um, – developing situation with the bears offense but i see this game being a tough one i see the bears losing by 10 11 points somewhere around there i don't see it being a blowout or an embarrassment because i think that this team is too well coached and too tough to to let that happen or have that happen to them i just think in the end the cowboys are just going to be too too talented for the bears to hang with uh, by the fourth quarter so they don't cover no no, I don't think they cover on this one. It's an eight and a half. FanDuel's got it at an eight and a half. Last time I looked, if I'm not mistaken, I, th- I think they, I think they are just outside that number. And by the way, if you're hanging out with your boy on the same game parlay last week. Made a little money. Yeah, I don't ever come in here and tell you when I'm losing it, but you damn sure I'm going to tell you when I'm winning it for you. Yeah, went in there with the over, went in there with a Khalil Herbert anytime touchdown, also went in there with the Bears covering that ridiculous-ass number against the Bailey Zappy slash mac Jones-led New England Patriots. So, I'll be I'll be willing to give you if you stick around for this pod. I'll be willing to give you another winner at the end of this joint. You know, courtesy of of, of the golf meister. So shout out to everybody out there getting ready to uh, go down to Dallas and hang out and watch that game as well. By the way, AT&T Stadium is beautiful. My man George is down there. Uh, hopefully, you know bears fans travel make a lot of noise and enjoy yourselves don't don't get any fights down there though because that cowboys contingent is similar to that uh that Raiders contingent, and they may be packing yeah that, that that's that's kind of what I was leaning towards with the whole Raiders cowboys contingent. You know what I'm talking about, just be careful down there y'all every- everywhere ain't home, so cowboys are a nine and a half point favorite yeah, I got them right outside that number but uh, hopefully the Bears put up another uh, you know valiant effort <laughs> and hopefully Justin Fields gives us some more to talk about on the positive side coming out of this next week's football game.
0: It's the full full Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go!
1: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. bears
3: talk with jason goff on the full goal and the kick
1: is good for the win fade to
3: black brought to you by the ringer a spotify original <laughs>
1: Coming up next on The Full Go, to drop some Bears knowledge on us, it is friend of the show, Pat Finley from the Sun-Times. He covers the Bears in the NFL like a glove, and he's also the host of the Hallis Intrigue podcast. we talk to Pat next right here on The Full Go. There it is. What
0: am I, 70 years old? I'm sorry.
1: Can you hear me? No, you're good, brother. You're good. (laughs) You know, speaking of being 70 years old, you know, COVID started, what, three years ago, something like that? And. I, I just now noticed that I've been paying for Zoom this entire time. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you bought it?
0: Oh, Come on, you yeah. can't do that.
1: I was one of the people who thought, you know, we're gonna we're gonna need this new uh, <laughs> this new way of communicating, and it's, it's probably best to have a subscription. And then I messed around and downloaded one of them apps to tell you what what you shouldn't be spending money on anymore. I was like, wait a minute, I've been giving Zoom nineteen dollars of my money every month for the last three years, so and nobody three, told me about it. <laughs> Dog. I, I I was overprepared for the pandemic I,
0: I did that once with uh, you know when you're at airports and they always go do you want the free wi-fi or do you want to pay us 9.99 a month for the rest of your life for the Wi-Fi? the boingo yeah yes, I, I screwed up once and mistakenly clicked whatever uh and uh yeah one of those I looked up a year and a half later and I'm like boingo 9.99 every month what am I doing here
1: Yeah, can't even explain these charges. And you shouldn't, and they got you. You Do you know how many apps I've downloaded because of this uh, podcast where we've had a bunch of guests who are, shout out to my man Thomas Jones, bounces on Paramount Plus and all these other things. And, you know, me trying to be a decent enough host, you know, go check out a couple episodes. Next thing you know, I'm locked in for a year because I don't cancel anything after the 30-day subscription trial ever. the lesson here is send Jason
0: screener. Send him the screener.
1: <laughs> yeah, Thomas Jones, send me the screener. I, I, I like the show. Uh P fins, man, this is a um, this is a, a weird time because the Bears are maybe better than expected in terms of record-wise right now, and the NFL is worse than expected, and this coaching staff kind of, I think, found something. Uh, what did you learn from the 33-14 to 14 beat down to the Patriots, and then we'll get into all the moves that have been made since.
0: I, I, I learned that none of us know
1: anything. I was telling one of the younger At guys. all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was telling one of the younger guys on the beat when we walked out. I, I looked at him. I said, isn't this great? You know, uh, you know, a million people turned in there, you know, tuned, tuned in and four people thought the Bears would win the game. And it happened. And, you know, it's why you played the game and it's why you travel and it's why you leave your family to go to work. Uh, and it was really kind of fun to watch uh, in terms of what I learned about the Bears. I learned that their offensive coordinator can be creative, even if it's just stealing from the Ravens. That still counts as creativity in my book and the fact that they were willing to use Justin Fields in that way. Uh, I think is really exciting. I don't think you can live like that because uh, he's going to take too many hits that way. But now every team in they play on you know all year is going to have to prepare for that package. And I'm sure they will come up with counters off of it and counters off of that. So going forward, that's exciting. But man, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I had any feeling that the Patriots uh, were going to be so bad and the Bears were going to be so good because uh, I did not.
1: Yeah, so play calling-wise, is it more what's on the sheet or is it more execution that you saw after going back and watching the game a couple of times?
0: I, I think the sheet is important. Uh, you know, of course, they got to play well within it, and, you know, I think Sam Musfer came and saved them a little bit. I think Michael Schofield, the left guard, who was really bad in training camp, really, really bad, um, was better. And, and, you know, that's important. But the play sheet was too. And, you know, to take Bill Belichick – And his two former head coaches that are on that staff, granted, they weren't very good head coaches, but they were head coaches. Mm -hmm. And to throw something at them that they didn't see coming and that they couldn't fix in real time, I think is super impressive. Belichick said after the game, you know, once they threw that at us, we knew they were going to probably keep doing it. And then we couldn't stop it. And boy, that's got to make you feel good uh, (laughs) if you're the Bears uh, to hear that from uh, the greatest coach probably to ever walk the planet.
1: All right, so Justin Fields and his relationship, not only with Luke Getze, but with this offense. Is there more to this, then he's just got to get his feet right, keep his eyes up, get rid of the football. They just got to call different plays. Like where where will we, where's the gray area? Where's the nuance in terms of, okay, this is what we can evaluate from a base level now going forward because all we were waiting for were drives to be stacked. They scored on five straight drives so we can start to figure out, okay, what is he good at? What is he not good at in a game? Now we figured that part out or maybe have a little bit of a, a, a base level kind of data where's the nuance now that we can go further in this evaluation with
0: where I start is this, when you called designed runs for him, now he has a blocker in front of him. Now you can steer it toward the sideline. So he doesn't get hit. Now he can slide when he's in the open field. These are things that when you're scrambling don't really happen. And, Mm. And it's, it sounds obvious, but mm-hmm. having him protected by run blockers when he's running is a really good idea. And, you know, I think if you, if you look at the design runs that they had, I think they had 10 of them. I think he got out of bounds on five slid on one, got in the end zone on another. So that's what seven in which he's not really getting hit. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a good place to start in terms of the pass game. He made a couple of throws. I thought that were super impressive. The one that comes to mind is third and 16 late in the first yes, half. Sir. Uh, Jason Leisure and I, my colleague uh, and your friend uh, and my friend, uh, we were sitting there on third and 16 and we went, they're going to hand the ball off. They're going to lay up and they're going to kick. That's the obvious play. Uh, And they snap it. We go, oh my God, what are they doing? Because if he gets sacked, he gets pushed out of field goal range in the half ends and disaster. And instead he scrambles, he sees Mooney down the right sideline at the sticks. Mooney makes a great catch. He makes a great throw. They get a first down. They still kick the field goal, but it's a chip shot. Uh, that is growth. I, I think last year or early this year, he would have either taken the sack or, or certainly not made the throw he was supposed to make. So he's growing in the offense there. They're growing in their confidence in him. And now that you've got this element of a design run uh, I'm curious to see what sort of pass plays they can come up with out of those sorts of formations. I mean, you've seen a lot of the, you know, the, uh, the fake jet sweeps, you know, and, and Justin kept it for a touchdown. There was another fake jet, jet sweep. What if you throw out of that? What if you take a shot out of that? I think that's the next level we're going to see with him and with Luke Getze.
1: The run game. I mean, we've seen run games not work before. And <laughs> this run game is working now. Justin Fields obviously is adding to that. He's the added dimension. He leads all quarterbacks in rushing yards. But what's working in the run game? Because I feel like. This game was a take care of Justin Fields game, not only in how they executed the run, but also the design runs, like picking when you're going to get hit. If you want to take shots on design runs, that's on you. Get down, protect yourself. But also the fact that they've been able to run the ball to the tune of, what, 180 some odd yards per game so far, Khalil Herbert doing what he's doing. What, what is, uh, What's happening in the run game, especially with the offensive line being mixed and matched and rotations being changed? What, what do you see happening right now in the run game? Well,
0: schematically, they've always been able to run. I mean, even at the start of the year in a downpour, they were able to run with different offensive linemen. You mentioned it, you know, with Montgomery in there, with Montgomery Hurt. Uh, it's always worked. And that's really impressive. I, I think it takes a certain level of want to to do that. You mentioned it. We had Matt Nagy for four years. I don't think Nagy ever had the want to, to turn around and hand the ball off. And the Bears do. And that's good. Uh, they They're riding with the, you know, the quote unquote hot hand and i think that's really interesting because i think that's the way the league has been for years and (laughs) the bears are once again finally catching up eight years too late probably Mm -hmm. but uh you know anybody who's ever owned a fantasy team can tell you that you know the list of running backs who you know get it 80 percent of the time they're in the backfield i mean that's small what five guys probably Mm -hmm. and david montgomery is not one of those guys anymore uh so keeping both of those guys fresh is interesting I, i think that herbert has been better than montgomery and yes, yes. yeah. And they, they love Montgomery's physicality and they love kind of the attitude he brings. And so I, I think they compliment each other. Well, we've got the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday and I'm sure there's some world where somebody calls them and offers them something for, you know, eight games to David Montgomery, you know, because he's in the last year of his deal. But if I were the bears, I wouldn't mess with it. I, I think that, you know, you mentioned protecting Justin, there's no better way to protect Justin than to have a run game that is established and that is the first thing that teams try to stop. And that's where they are right now.
1: Defensively, you saw the two rookies make plays. Uh, you saw Roquan Smith out there making plays. Second halves, this this team defensively has been noticeably, not just different, but damn near, you know, damn near entertaining to watch, right? Allen Williams and Matt Eberflus coming up or whatever they come up in, in halftime and the adjustments take over. Next thing you know, this defense has been playing some pretty damn good football. Um, where are we at with what the what the projections of the defense turns out to be because eddie jackson making plays still roquan smith's making plays you know you see kyler gordon get his first one you see jaquan Brisker make a great play uh how should bears fans feel about this defense right now
0: uh encouraged you want to take a guess as to how many uh, points they've allowed in the second half of the season uh
1: i know it's something minuscule uh what ten 35 over five games which is crazy 35
0: yeah which is I mean
1: mm, I mean yeah. <laughs> touchdown in the half, second yeah, half
0: yeah including zero uh the other night now I'll put the disclaimer out there that the Bears have the fourth hardest strength of schedule remaining and that if you look at their December when they play the Bills and the Eagles uh I think those are offenses that could probably figure out a way to score in the second half but as we sit here right now the defense plays hard they're doing this without a pass rush you know they have 12 sacks this year I think what, six teams have fewer sacks than they do? They just traded <laughs> Robert Quinn, the guy on their roster who uh, was most likely to get a sack, even though he only had one this season. So they're going to need to find a way to get to the pa- to the quarterback. And when they were ahead and they were still having trouble getting to the quarterback when everybody in the building knew the Patriots were going to throw, that's not a good sign. But man, it is hard to argue with giving up 35 points. That is an average of five points per game in the second mm-hmm. half. That's that's crazy. Uh Kyler Gordon getting the, the interception, you know, granted it was off of a tip, but that's big for him. He struggled to start the season, and he's just coming around. I think Jaquan Brisker is the real deal. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, that pick he made, especially after what happened to his uh' <laughs> <laughs> you, gentleman That's bear. what happens
1: when you kick another man in the nuts right there. He <laughs> picks you off. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it shows you, you know,
0: I think we sit there and we talk about, you know, he's mean and he's nasty and he can tackle and all of that. But the athleticism you saw in the anticipation – of him going and picking off Mac Jones and uh, maybe ending Mac Jones's career, who knows, uh, was, uh, was super impressive. So the bears have to generate a pass rush. You know, they're blitzing a little bit now. I mean, you know, hold on to your hats. The bears blitz like four times the other day. Uh, they'd never do that. So they're trying to generate it in obvious pass downs. Uh, you know, the guy who leads their team in sacks right now is Roquan Smith. <laughs> mm-hmm. And whenever you've got a middle linebacker leading your team in sacks with two and a half, that's a bad sign. But when Iberflus got here, what he said is he wanted them to play hard and he wanted them to play disciplined and he wanted them to be nasty without getting penalties. And it's, you know, every coach says that, but that's kind of what they're doing right now. I, I think that they're, I think that they're well coached. Uh, you know, yeah. we'll see when they start adding good players, you know, in this upcoming off season and in the future, we'll see whether offensively they can compete uh, with the big boys in the league but as a whole, they're playing hard and they're playing the right way.
1: You know why I think they're well-coached, too? is Because they they realize what they don't have. And, <laughs> yeah, and they're, that's they're, a lot, and too. Yeah, Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a novel concept in this here NFL to kind of make sure that your, your scheme is working around your talent and personnel on both sides of the football as opposed to trying to fit something into something that doesn't work. We saw that with the last uh, coaching regime of, of Matt Nagy. Uh, you mentioned... Robert Quinn yep. uh, coming into this season, there were a lot of questions of would he be a bear? You know, is he going to be around for a rebuild? It's a guy who's uh, getting up there in age, even though he had his single season sack record for the Bears last year at eighteen and a half. Didn't get off to a really good start at all this year. Uh, wasn't making the the plays that he you know, was known to make last year. Uh, fourth-round pick. You know, people are like, oh, is that all you get? Well, you know, like you mentioned with David Montgomery, like, hell, like some of these conversations about Roquan Smith right now, is a rental player. So for eight games, how much are you truly going to get? What do you think this will do to the defensive line rotation? Who do you think has to step up, and who do you think is going to get enough chances to find out if he could play or not?
0: I think it's a good thing they didn't have to play a game Wednesday afternoon because I think everybody in there was pretty upset, including Roquan Smith. You saw how emotional yeah. he got. Uh, Roquan, by the way, I don't think is going anywhere. Uh, My guess would be that he's here next year, whether it's on the franchise tag or uh, with a new deal, but I would give Ryan Pulse credit for doing what he had to do. I don't think anybody can look at the bears who are at three and four and sit there and say, this is a playoff team for sure. And we need to, you know, try and move our team in that direction. Trading, trading Quinn for something is better than the nothing they would have got when they cut him at the end of the year. So I'll give him that. Now who can take his place? You know, Al-Khadi Muhammad's a good pass or I'm sorry, a good run defender has gotten better rushing the passer lately, but I, I don't think you want to rely on him. Um, I, you know, Travis Gibson was really good last year. Remember when Khalil Mack got hurt, Travis Gibson was a revelation. Uh, they still believe in him. He needs to start putting those numbers up, but Dominique Robinson would be the guy I'd look at right now. He's a rookie. Uh, we've talked about him before. I think here, you know, this is a guy was a quarterback going into college, uh, got moved to receiver, (laughs) then got moved to defensive line. He looks like Jimmy Butler, body type wise. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't say, oh, my God, there goes a defensive lineman. Uh, And to get him extra reps, uh, I think he can handle it. But even if he can't, you know, this season is about figuring out who's going to be on your next good team and the experience that he's going to get by virtue of having those reps, I think is really, really important because the Bears think he could be really good.
1: All right, what are you expecting against Dallas? You get a short week, back-to-back road games, one of the best defenses in all of football. Michael Parsons is already talking that shit about the 40 40 times between he and Justin Fields, which I love. Uh, What what do you expect at AT AT&T Stadium?
0: I think Michael Parsons is going to have his way uh, with them. (laughs) All right, there it is. (laughs) I mean, mean, if you look at what the Eagles – some of what the Eagles tried to do to him is is do this read option stuff where – Parsons was the guy they had to freeze at the end where he had to decide and it worked. It was a good idea, but you know what happens when you do that? Michael Parsons can go hit your quarterback on every play. If he wants to, uh, even when he hands it off, because he'll be like, Hey, it's read option. I'm doing my thing. I, I wouldn't necessarily live there if I were the bears. Uh, I think the bears uh, are going to lose uh, probably by 10 or 10, 13, something like that. At the end of the day, they don't have the players that the Cowboys have. And I don't think it's particularly close. You know, we could talk about how good the Patriots were in the previous two weeks. What was it, 29-0 against the Lions? But I mean, man, that's the Lions, you know, and and this is, you know, this is a Patriots team that was playing a rookie quarterback for most of the game. The, on paper, they're not as good as I think we build them up to be because of the Belichick factor. Uh, the Cowboys are, and uh, even if they don't have Zeke Elliott, I'll say right now that Them without Zeke Elliott might be better than them with Zeke Elliott, if you look at the numbers. So uh, I don't think that helps the Bears necessarily. I don't know, maybe something 28, 17-ish, something like that.
1: Uh, You mentioned Dominique Robinson as we let you go here. Uh, Any other players that you're charting that maybe Bears fans should start to take a look at that should should at this point in the season, as evaluation continues at Hallis Hall with Ryan Poles and that coaching staff, they're like, all right, they expect this guy to start making some plays, especially since so many young players are on the field.
0: I think we have to see Bayless Jones do something on offense Uh, now that he's not returning punts anymore theoretically they can devote a little more time every day in practice to him on offense. You see him as like the fly sweep guy. Um, I would like to see him run routes and do receiver things or, you know, he'll take a direct snap. I'm sure at some point this year, Uh, they like him in that hybrid role, but I think he needs to be more than a gadget player by the end of the season. So I'd like to see him used a little more. Nikhil Harry isn't going to be on their next good team probably, but he is, it's interesting to watch him because my God, if we talk about, he looks the part, he looks like Dominique Robinson should look. <laughs> I mean, if you put those two guys next to each other and said, which one's the lineman and which one's the receiver, you'd get it wrong all the time. Uh, big body guy in the red zone. That should help them because they were still really bad in the red zone. It didn't come back to bite them against the Patriots, but it will at some point. So I'm curious to watch him, but in terms of long-term, you know, if the offense is the problem, which I still think it is, uh, I'd go Bayless Jones I think they need to get him going in this offense and find stuff that he can do beyond just being eye wash on a three-yard Justin Fields sweep
1: yeah yeah you gotta find something for the 25 year old rookie it's always a, <laughs> a, a mid-season task that that many NFL teams have to uh, succumb to Pat thank you so much for your time man we'll continue to read your stuff in the sun times and appreciate you jumping on the full go brother Hey guys, this is Ozzie Guillen, and you are listening to the Full Go with Jason Goff on the Ringer in Spotify. five. Joining us now on the Full Go podcast, a venerable scribe, longtime uh, cover, observer, writer, and reporter on the Dallas Cowboys for the Fort Worth Star Telegram. He is Clarence Hill Jr. Clarence, thank you so much for joining us, man. How you doing? Fine, man. How you guys doing? I can't complain. We got ourselves a very interesting matchup coming up here on Sunday after. No, we, no, we. I, so no, this we, is the thing. No, this no, is the thing, no, Clarence. No, this is see. Hey, here we go. I'm, I, I'm if I'm not the guy to 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 sell false optimism, false hope. I'm just happy to see a, a team come together with a plan that isn't the old New England Patriots that the Bears beat, but they beat him convincingly. And now going up against a team like the Cowboys, in the NFC, who are I, I, the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFC right now but the, the most talent I think resides in Dallas now that Dak is back you're dealing with a whole bunch of injuries not just in the secondary but in the, the backfield What what's happening right now for Cowboys fans like what, what are they expecting as the NFC kind of opens up the way it has in these first six seven weeks of the season
3: well I mean I, I think it's from a big picture view the NFC is wide open it's wide open it's ever been it's certainly six, the Eagles undefeated but the Eagles don't scare you, you know. There, there's nothing about what they've done that scares you. Uh, it, it's wilder than it's ever been. There's no big bad wolf out there, you know. The Rams aren't what we thought they would be. Tampa Bay is not what we thought they would be. The 49 just got boat raised by the Kansas City Chiefs, you know. The Cowboys believe that they're five and two. Uh, the defense is playing as well as any defense in the league, and they have to get better. They have a chance to get better on offense as the season goes along with Dak Prescott coming back. And receivers growing together, so they they think they have room for growth, you know, which is which is what they're excited about that they can get better as a football team. As far as coming to the Bears game this weekend, they will be playing without Ezekiel Elliott, and so your Tony Pollard will carry the full load, most likely as a starter for the first time, and you know. Everybody's been waiting. Tony Pollard is not using him enough. Well, here's your opportunity to get this Bears defense.
1: against the defense in the second half of these games has played really, really well. I want to talk to you about Dak, because when Cooper Rush came in and they won the games and people started to do what people do, obviously with the backup quarterback – what do you think they learned offensively about what they can and can do in terms of when Dak gets the full compliment, not just of health, but you know, he's 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 the leader of this offense and has been for some years now. What do you think they learned while he was out? If anything, or is it just back to what what they you know, regularly schedule programming on offense? I think that
3: that uh, the Cowboys came into the season knowing that they were gonna have to run the ball better and lean on the running game because they had question on the offensive line, because they had questioned the receiver. That was and you know without Amari Cooper and, and you know there was you know there was a young receiving core, there was a young offensive line. That that was the goal, that was the plan. You know, things that go well in the season opener, that got hurt, but what they did under Cooper Rush was part of the plan anyway, to to lean more on the running game and rely on his defense was that, that that was killing them in training camp. They knew the defense was going to be good. Uh the thing that Dak brings them is his ability to make plays in the passing game, which they didn't get with Cooper Rush. You know, Cooper Rush won games. But they didn't score a lot of points. Cooper Rush right. won games, but they did not convert third downs and extend drives. They really didn't have a lot of offensive plays. Um, they know that's the area they need to get back. and they Certainly, they still want to lean on their defense. They still want to lean on the running game. But to reach their goals, and we talked about earlier about the NFC being wide open and really having a chance to possibly make a Super Bowl run. They need to make plays in the passing game with Dak Prescott. This is not a situation where he got to do what Cooper did and, and play a conservative and close to the middle. Nah. That's not going to win you the Super Bowl. It wasn't. It, you know, the goal is not to beat the Giants in Washington in September. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. Okay, in February and, and make a run in the playoffs in January. And to do that, you're going to need make plays to be made in the passing game, and Dak Prescott gives you that.
1: Speaking of winning Super Bowls and that being the goal each year, I always love when Jerry Jones, the specter of Jerry Jones, is around this team. And I, always, you know, I, I figure some of it's over, uh, overreported and and overstated, and some may be un- understated. You've been around this team for a very, very long time. Like, what's reality as opposed to what's put out there in terms of not only Jerry Jones' involvement, but you know, this is a guy who this ain't a hobby for him. So his hands-on nature obviously rubs some people the wrong way. But what have you witnessed? In in terms of not only the his ownership style, but how it has either prohibited or excelled in terms of where the Cowboys stand now.
3: Well, there's only one constant constant on this team since the Cowboys last won a Super Bowl title in 1995 is Jerry jump You know, so but what's also true is the Cowboys have grown to be the richest sports. Uh, franchise of, in all the sports, you know, soccer, everything. They make more money than anybody. He's built a stadium. He's built a practice facility. Worth over eight billion dollars. That's that's also Jerry Jones. But you know, so so what make you laugh and make you cry right. sometimes? When you you focus on the other stuff and football ain't the main thing. And I think that's where they get lost sometimes. Is that they don't make football. They make selling and marketing and merchandising more of just going to California and being on TV and doing those other things that 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 hamstrings a coach when he's trying to put the focus just on winning and it's and winning at all costs and winning and nothing else. And I think that, you know, Jerry wants to do it both ways. He wants to sell, he wants to market, he wants to be on TV. He wants to barnstorm his team across the country and and be at every thing. And he also wants to, you know, the football team to try to work as hard as they can to win. Sometimes you can't do both. And, and so that, that's been the issue. But Jerry's always, he socks the jocks as he said. You know, when he showed up, he's involved in everything and certainly gives us great sound bites. We love him talking. He likes it. He he does two radio shows a week. He talks to us after the game. You know, he, he's great for the media and great for our game. Uh and for the most part, he's great for seeing because he pays his players. You know, sometimes he pays the wrong one. sometimes he pays them too early. But the players love him because he, he you, you win, you ball out, you represent the Cowboys, you're gonna get paid.
1: Speaking of balling out, Michael Parsons. Um how have you best seen Michael Parsons contained in the game wrecking style that he has brought in these last couple of years?
3: I mean, Michael Parsons, you know, has a chance to be a special one. And again, he's a the guy they fell into. They didn't really want Michael Parsons. They wanted the cornerback in the draft last year, and then the two cornerbacks are off the board, and, and so they they had to settle for Michael Parsons. The, the same is that, what was Penn State doing? They weren't using Michael Parsons like this. He didn't look like this at Penn State. I mean, he was good. But he wasn't like this at Penn State. What you're talking about, somebody that's 6'3", 250, runs a 4'3". And and the best thing about Michael Parsons is not necessarily just his athleticism, but his attitude, his work ethic, his his relentlessness. You know, uh, he made the play of the game last week. He was rushing the passer. You know, it was a tight game. The Cowboys up 10-6. Detroit, lowly Detroit, was driving, had a chance to take the lead. Uh, They they threw a screen pass. Uh, he's rushing the quarterback 25-yard line. Dream pass goes to the tight end. Looks like a certain touchdown. Michael Parsons turns, run past all of his teammates after rushing the quarterback. Tackles him at the one-inch line, okay? And, yes, the one-inch line. So, well, sure, they're going to get a touchdown the next drive. They got Jamal Williams. They got a nice running game. DeMarcus Lawrence knocks the ball out on the fumble on the next play. The Cowboys have four more turnovers in, in the – or three more turnovers, a total of four turnovers in the fourth quarter, and a 10-6 six, six game between 24-6. But the difference was – I mean, Michael Parsons' relentlessness not to give up on what looked like to be a short touchdown. And, again, having athleticism do that. He leads the league with eight sacks. You know, he he has the most pressures. But chasing plays down from behind like that is what makes him
1: special. What are some of the weaknesses on this roster that we may see on Sunday that the Bears may exploit?
3: Oh, I mean, I I think it's the receiving core. I think there's a question of – Michael Parsons, not Michael Parsons, but Tony Pollard, and his ability to uh, carry the load. You know, he's never carried about more than seventeen down the game going back to college. You know, and that was in 2017 against uh, Wake Forest. You know, mm-hmm. in the pros, he's never had more than fourteen carries a game. So, and, and you know, is if he has that, is he can still have the juice in his legs in the fourth quarter? Those are questions, but the main question is: Is the Cowboys run defense? You know, Bears have a great rush offense. And the Cowboys, as great as the defense is, people don't want to face the pass rush, so they try to run on them. And they run on the Cowboys, do RPO, a lot of different things, which, you know, fits right into what the Bears do with their quarterback. Uh, so, you know, the, one reason why the Cowboys made a trade, midweek trade for Jonathan Hankins, you know, to, to try to beef up uh, the run, run defense up in the middle because they were exploited by Detroit, they were exploited by the Eagles. And, you know, they got the Bears coming up, they got a lot of, good rushing offenses coming up they got to face they want to be special and they have a special season season have to show up They run defense, but that is the area of concern. And certainly that's the area that 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 Chicago should try to exploit
1: all right now before we get you out of here we've done this every week we've gotten a few names and a few of these names have popped up made big plays versus the bears who is a guy that maybe dallas cowboys fans are more aware of than the national onlookers may be that that may pop off the tape for uh the cowboys that we don't talk about a lot
3: uh wow um well, number one, Michael Parsons says he can outrun the Justin Fields. Okay, so he, 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 he already says he, he he worked out together, training. He, 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 he can raced him. He raced him. Okay, he said in the forty, I can outrun him. You know, so I wouldn't
1: be surprised.
3: So you, you got that, but rookie defenseman Sam Williams is coming on, and he had two sacks last week. And he's a guy that you know, certainly the Bears are going to give a lot of attention to Michael Parsons as they should. But look out for Sam Williams coming around here. He he is growing up to be a baby beast to go along with Michael Parsons,
1: Clarence, you're one of my favorite follows. You keep me tapped in, not only what's happening in Dallas, but everything that's happening in the culture. Uh, you're one of the OGs in the game, man. I appreciate you jumping on with us today. No problem, guys. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. No problem. Clarence Hill Jr. right here on Full Goal Podcast. Sox Talk
3: with Jason Goff on the Full Goal.
1: And the Sox are winners in a thriller.
3: Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original.
1: So, Tony Gill, did I see this correctly, that this will be the first time since 1950, I believe it is? You got hear right here for me? This will be the first time since 1950 that a American-born black player is not expected to play in the World Series. Now, mm-hmm. you might be asking yourself what's going on with the Houston Astros roster. You know, Michael Brantley is out for the season, so is Josh James, right? So, you'll have some who can possibly get on camera. Uh, the Phillies don't have one at all on their roster. Uh, I believe they had a young brother who played twenty, twenty-three games, something like that during the regular season. And I'll ask you this, because how old are you? Boy, it's 29. I'll be 30 Ooh. November 9th. Yeah, I keep forgetting day after me, you, and Herbie. Yep. You know, the, the, the Black Holy Trinity. You know, a few days <laughs> after each other. Uh, <laughs> man, i got, got us out here bad, like Malcolm and Marcus and <laughs> and Martin. Like, hey, really, y'all? Yeah, <laughs> That's what y'all <laughs> just gonna y'all just gonna throw that on yourselves, huh? Okay, <laughs> bet. <bad. laughs> but yeah, man, I um, I'm 41. Right, gonna be 42 uh, the day before you turn. Thirty. Jesus Christ. That's just that just sounds so bad. Uh how much are you into baseball? Honestly? Yeah, man. Like this is this is as honest a conversation as as we can have in this moment because I, I'm I'm ready to say some things about where this has been um going for a while. And I'm frankly surprised it took this long, Um, but go ahead. Um, I've always said
2: I'm more of a White Sox fan than a baseball fan. Likewise. Uh, Because there's, there's a team that I can root for that is representing a specific part of the city that always gets the bad press um, and when you're promoting Chicago, it's downtown, it's the north side, it's the good mm-hmm. guys, it's the friendly, you know, confines, confines right? Yep. Uh, and it's never, you know, out south. It's never Inglewood, it's never West Inglewood, you know, it's never those areas uh, that I'm from. So, I'm always rooting for the White Sox, but, you know, I'm, I'm just not the baseball guy. Of course, we watch it and we keep up with it uh, because it's our jobs, but- I don't have the heart for baseball like I do for basketball, like I do for football, um, like I do other sports. It's just not in me. I wasn't really raised,
1: you know, with it generationally. Yeah. You know, I I know people are used to hearing this by now, but I can't beat it home uh, anymore than I'm going to. And that representation matters. And for young White Sox fans out there, you know, the, the the ace program back in the well, the ace program now, the, the RBI program back in the day, like um, the White Sox have done things and tried to immerse themselves in urban areas right? Uh, and I, I've always celebrated them for that um, Kenny Williams being one of the few black executives uh, in baseball matters right? Um you know, hell, Ozzie Guillen. Ozzie Guillen managing this team to not only a World Series run, but a historic World Series run in 2005. Uh, by the way, happy anniversary to everybody out there on Wednesday, well, the just past Wednesday, 17-year anniversary of the White Sox winning the World Series in the series that nobody saw. Um, you know, 11-1, and I don't. You know, obviously, because the games have changed and the number of games you play is not going to be done again uh, Four complete games in the ALCS not going to be done again. It's not happening, uh, not, not close to happening. Right. So, you know, seeing a brown face, seeing a black face lead it, seeing, you know, guys like Carl Everett, <laughs> the truth of source himself, you know, say what you want about Carl Everett. It was a black guy on the team. Jermaine Dye, a, my World Series MVP, <laughs> right? Like these things were happening, and even then, even then, seventeen years ago, it seems like uh, we were begging for scraps. Like, all right, this 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 team has one. Oh, look at this team has two, and the Seattle Mariners had a couple of prospects come up, and boy, you thought it was the Kansas City Monarchs out there we was talking about, you know the 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 dearth of young black talent in major league baseball uh, is not as striking as it may seem. It's just, it's kind of like finding good music these days where you got to go mining for it. It's not, it's not readily pushed in your face, you know, And, and, and guys like jazz Chisholm getting chances, not only to shine on the field, but getting looks at MLB network during the postseason. like that shit matters. Um, When I was coming up, you mentioned the Chicago White Sox. The reason why I was a White Sox fan is because, one, everybody, well, you know, I've always had this affinity for the South Side because of the times at my grandmother's house and how I felt. um, I just – a more comfortable kinship and friendship, to be honest with you, uh, with a lot of people who – Uh, I was cool with on the south side at my grandmother's house as opposed to on the north side, moving around a little bit and, you know, having to having to find new friends every few years and stuff like that. Like it it just it was it was a perfect confluence of events that the early 90s were the reckoning and the the awakening for a lot of Chicago White Sox young fans like myself, because namely Frank Thomas. Right like I, I I Frank Thomas was one of my introductions to baseball now don't get me wrong the Bash brothers the late 80s I mean I watched Oakland A's baseball as much as I possibly could because of Ricky Henderson right and Dave Stewart right seeing those two dudes be as dominant and taking no shit off of anybody this was the other thing too I appreciated the brothers who didn't have to fucking smile because of how dope they were right as much as i did appreciate the brothers who smiled their ass off because that's just was their temperament i appreciated when we talk about these days and black excellence i appreciated it back then in its purest and truest form of oh yeah he's not to be fucked with he and he's dope <laughs> oh by the way this guy is is the life of the party seemingly and he's dope but it gave you that that full spectrum and that full palette Fast forward to what we have now in baseball where, you know, you got a lot of young brothers and and, and shout out to, you know, Corey Ray and shout out to, hell, shout out to Jackie Robinson West here in the city of Chicago where I see tons of smiling, beautiful black kids running around playing the sport that they love, being tutored and mentored by men and women who also love the sport. And then you see this, 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 (laughs) Eye popping, <laughs> eye popping factoid: that the, f- the first time in seven plus decades, there will not be a African American um, or a, 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 a American-born black player on the field for the the you know the world showcase. The, this is the showcase of this game. So yeah, representation does matter. And we've had these conversations about this sport on and on and on and on. And I know people, black men and black women who love the sport of baseball. And I I always listen when they talk because I'm always so intrigued. But at the same time, let's face it, baseball has um, gotten a lot of the game for free, right, with all the swagger now that's being incorporated into the game, so-called swagger. like everybody loves dressing the part. everybody loves wearing the locks and the, their hair the way they, they want to and everybody loves the culture. The bat flips all of a sudden have become a thing and you know actually emoting and being yourself and I don't know putting on a show and entertaining in a certain manner is not frowned upon, but the gatekeepers of the game are still like a lot of these clubhouses as well. Right. So how comfortable are these clubhouses for you to be in your full blackness? I mean, I'm being I'm being dead ass honest with you, like not having to apologize for your blackness is a lot different than being comfortable in your full blackness. (laughs) And and if you look around in a clubhouse and you're not surrounded or you don't see a lot of similar faces, how comfortable can you truly be? So, yeah, the representation does matter. And athletes are seeing now that baseball is getting shorter and shorter to make it to the big stage whereas before you had to ride them buses and be on the farm for a little bit now guys are guys are getting to the bigs in a year year two year and a half two years so will we see a swing where the numbers will start to stack up again because of that you know I I've seen Bob Kendrick shout out to Bob Kendrick who runs the you know National Negro uh um baseball museum the Negro League Baseball Museum, I'm sorry. We've had him on this show. And you can hear when he talks about black involvement and tells the stories and talks to us about what guys and girls had to go through just to make sure that, that, that black people could enjoy the game. You know, the, the painstaking measures that were taken. You don't want them to go for naught, but you also you also understand that you go where you're celebrated, Right. No longer do athletes have to go where they're tolerated. And when you look at basketball, when you look at football, there's a there's an outright and and a, and a aggressive celebration of black culture. When it comes to baseball, it's still it's still lacking. Let's be honest about it. It's still lacking. And if you have a kid who has terrific athletic ability so much so that he or she can pick which sport that they want to roll to, you know, sometimes these sports choose them, you know, the enjoyment, the fun. What kind of work am I going to put in for the adulation that I'm going to get out of it? And when it comes to baseball, all you got to do is look at your your classic, your, your showcase. There's now one black player represented. So, you know, is this, a, is this an issue that baseball has to address? And, you know, I'm sure there'll be conversations about it. But I, I don't know what else you can do. You've made it very clear to all the young talent that the route is shorter than it has ever been. Um, the, the game has more flair to it than ever. Um, it, it You know, we always talk about the baseball money. Well, the baseball money is as good as any money that's out there and it's guaranteed so they're looking basketball contracts in the eyes and and laughing at him Aaron Judge is about to get 400 plus million dollars from somebody here soon but to see that for the first time since 1950 there will not be a black born uh, American born black participant in Major League Baseball you know and the fact that it's not as big a deal or not as big a story as it might have been 10 years ago 15 years ago says something It says something. So uh, I I look forward to the next time the White Sox hoist the trophy because I hope and, you know, it's in my gut feeling that there will be a black player on the field doing so, an American born black player doing so. And Tim Anderson. Right. Maybe just maybe there will be a brown faced manager (laughs) like Ozzie was or. You know, Joe Spotter or somebody out there. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there, whoever, whoever we're going to get into this, whoever is the best man for the job and all this other stuff. But when you take a look at it, these these numbers are saying what they're saying for a reason. And we still have to try to figure it out if we're going to talk about having the best athletes in the world playing that sport, because when you look at basketball and football, uh, there is no shortage of participants. And I think a lot of it has to do with what people are seeing on the field. And the reaction that they're getting in some of these locker rooms and clubhouses. The
3: full goal with Jason Golf.
1: All right, that's all the time we have for episode 167 of the Full Goal Podcast. I want to thank our guests Pat Finley from the Chicago Sun Times and Clarence Hill Jr. from the Dallas Fort Worth Star Telegram. Cowboys, Bears Should be an interesting affair on Sunday So thank you to those two gentlemen For providing us with all the in-depth analysis That we truly need to flesh this whole thing on out Want to thank our production staff The shadowy figure that is known As Steve Cerruti And you can call him Daddy From here on out I'm not going to call his ass Daddy But you can call him Daddy Because Things will look great, Jason Yeah Yeah (laughs) Yeah Hey, shout out to Marlo Maya Sarudi. That is right. She is a part of this world. She is the newest member of the Ringer podcast team. I will be calling on the, the soul and spirit and energy of baby Marlo from here on out because she looks like a little ball of perfect and uh, shout out to mom as well. Everybody looks good. Congratulations, Steve. We waited for you to drop that album and you, and you came out and you look like you're about to go platinum, man. Y'all look great in that picture. So thank you for sharing that with us and uh, congratulations to mom and, you know, congratulations to the world. Baby Marlowe is here. Uh, shout out to our other producers who didn't have kids. Uh, the active Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill. For the entire crew, I am Jason Golf. Thanking you for downloading this thing, subscribing to this thing, rating and reviewing it, sharing it with your family and friends, doing whatever you do for this pod. We truly, truly appreciate it. We will talk to y'all on Sunday, right? You got bears, you got cowboys. We'll do a recap pod We'll recap the the Bulls weekend and we'll get into some of these managerial searches out there for Chicago White Sox. So we'll do that much more on Sunday's pod. But until then, we leave you with this. Make sure you guys are out there taking care of each other. And please remember to be safe. We'll holler at you.